Welcome to another edition of Everyone Hates Cleveland, the podcast. I'm your host, Jim Pete. Joining me today, uh, my main man, Mike Hatter- Hattery. Listen, dude, I was thinking about this today. Like, we've known each other for like 13 years. Yep. That's like half your life. Oh, unfortunately, I'm now over 30. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, what's a year or two? We're just mincing words here. The new the newcomer to the group, but he's actually been part of this group for well over a year. Uh, Kevin Scheid is joining me and and you know not saying anything about the absence of Gage Will, but he's not here. He's whining and moaning about hockey practice. Gentlemen, how have you been? How's life? It's good. I'm excited for uh, the once a year podcast. <laughs> no, Animals no. In time. We're gonna do two this year. <laughs> well, and the fact that this podcast. May or may not show. The good news is it looks like everybody's getting recorded, so we might actually have a podcast here. Let's get into it. Spring training started this week. Uh, General optimism uh, abound for all teams, but I think you know coming off of a maybe unexpected playoff run last year with a lot of really great performances by a lot of young players. Let's kick things off. And Mike, you being the elder statesman of the group. Uh, general optimism for the season. Uh, what do you What are you feeling good about as as we head into what what hopes to be a, a, a season building off a of last? Um, what am I feeling good about? Still have a good front office. There's a lot of exciting young players. Look, it's a, it's a really fun squad to see like what they can. Like, you're looking at Josh Naylor and saying, hey, can he hit for more power? You're looking at Stephen Kwan and saying, hey, can he hit for more power? You're looking at Ahmed Rosario and saying, hey, can he play a little better defense? Um, but, I mean, there's so many, like, talented young players who are saying, okay, like, we have a really nice floor established. Are we going to see more from the ceiling? That's not necessary that you have to get ceiling with every one of these guys. The other great piece is just, like, how deep this team is. You know, you saw a Will Benson trade take place that, like, that doesn't take place three, four, even the year before last year. That guy's getting 400 PAs, and I really like Will Benson. I hope he succeeds. I think he's going to, like, a phenomenal gamble um, for the Reds. But I think it's also just representative of where you're at from an organization. You moved off Nolan Jones and Will Benson in the same offseason. Dudes who merit real big league at-bats right now because you're so deep. And I think, like, that has to make you pretty optimistic. I definitely have my beefs, too, but we'll get to those in a little bit. And I'm going to pass it over to Kevin yeah, so I think this is maybe the most anticipated regular season for Indian slash Guardians since 2017, probably. Is that fair to say? I think, uh, you know, obviously coming off the World Series and uh, the team we had going into 2017, this, is, I think, is kind of the most excited that not just the, the regular crowd, but more casual fans are, uh, are kind of uh, looking forward to. I think the other thing is that there's also no COVID, no lockout, uh, no looming... Albatross hanging over the league right now, or this team, um, you know, the off season. And I know we talked a lot about our expectations for the off season in the prior podcast, or what we think could have happened. We'll we'll get into it a bit. I still think overall, it's hard to deny that they did upgrade from catcher and from the first base DH of Owen Miller slash whoever else they tried last year. That spot. Um, I'm also, and maybe we'll get into this as well. But the new rules, the new look. For baseball, I think this is a lot more significant than we're kind of, uh, not we as EHC, but maybe some diehard seam heads are uh, giving credence to. Just because I think for us, it's going to be kind of neat to watch it right away. It's going to give people who maybe don't tune into early April baseball a reason to check out for the first time. Hey, here's a pitch clock. Uh, hey, maybe they're stealing more bases because the base is a little bigger. So I... I Personally, I think the pitch clock is like the most significant development in the league in a long time. I think it's going to do wonders, um, especially for you know, like I said, more casual fans. So, I think honestly, I I can go on and on a myriad of different reasons why we should be excited. To be frank, at this point, knock on wood, there aren't a ton of reasons to be anything but optimistic. So, you know, that's this is time of year, as you said, Jim. But as far as Cleveland goes, I think you know, let the good times roll. Yeah, and it, you know, not to this isn't a kibosh on on the optimism. I think you know the three of us were fairly frustrated at the. Uh, I, it's hard to say lack of movement for the the Guardians this off season because they you know they made moves they you know acquired some guys um, you know that something they didn't do at all last last season. 
Um, the interesting part of all that, though, is is how full their roster seems to be. And I, I know we're going to probably knock on that a little bit um, throughout this podcast as we as we kind of look look through the lineup. But um, it does feel it does feel like they're coming in with a full roster. I, I do have some question marks regarding some guys who we got to see some upside from last year. But I think overall, um, looking at the infield specifically. Um, uh, and Gage isn't here to to tout the catcher. Um, I, I do see some holes, but I think those holes are uh, backed up by significant possible upgrades within the organization. And and what's interesting is because they didn't really make any trades aside from that Benson trade for for any prospects. Um, if they are contending, and I think they will be, uh, it could make for a really interesting July. Being that the the Guardians and and Orioles specifically with with loaded. Um, minor league systems, and when I say that loaded, loaded at the upper levels, um, we could see we could see some moves being made even with a conservative front office. All right, let's don't keep, let's don't get into a couple. Gym. Don't don't do it to yourself, Jim. Well, they're not going to do it. I'm, I'm, they're going to hang in there all the cards again. They're going to. Well, those prospects. I, I I would agree with you there. I would agree with you there for the most part, but I do think that this front office is willing to. When they feel like there's a home run, I think they're willing to pull it, and I think there might be some guys available this July. Um, that will will cause them to move some of those prospects. Plus, I do think we get another two or three month window where we get to look at some of these guys who maybe overperformed last year. Um, if they continue to show consistency, uh, uh, you know, they, they obviously you can hang on to those guys and maybe move some of the younger guys. All right, let's 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 take a couple of swings at at at, at some EFAS pitches here. Um, I want to talk Shane Bieber and I want to talk um, Jose Ramirez. Uh, just get them off the plate. Um, obviously, they're they're the go-to guys um, in theory, um, offensively and, and on the mound. Um, Bieber last year had a, a pretty interesting year. Still, obviously, uh, maybe not as obvious before, but 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 I would say still, obviously, the ace of this team. Um, we head into uh, you know I I believe he's got two years left in our before before he becomes a free agent. Uh, we're looking at you know. Uh, you know, we're kind of in that window of when are they going to trade him? Um, that being said, uh, you know, he had a fairly calm off season, got married. Uh, he didn't really, he's not coming off of an injury like he was the prior season. Uh, let's start with Bieber. Um, how are you guys feeling about Bieber? Are we going to see a velocity uptick now that he can just focus on maybe, maybe working on that? Um, or are we going to see that um, him continue to develop into more of a, uh, pitcher as a, as opposed to a, a, a velocity guy. I mean, he obviously was extremely effective last year. Um, was that, uh, you know, kind of looking at projections, are we looking at a guy who maybe still has um, maybe a return to form um, to that even more elite status? Or is the Bieber we saw last year kind of the direction we're going to go? Uh, Ke Kevin, let's start with you. Well, in terms of velocity, we did see an increase there. Um, I believe it was July, around July, we started to see pretty normal numbers for him, um, or at least less disturbing than we initially saw at the beginning of the year. I don't know. I think that that's been talked about a lot in terms of you know the very early games. It was okay. He's pitching in thirty degree weather. How much do we attribute it to that? You know, the shoulder injury prior, just ramping him back up. Also, there was the shortened spring training because of the lockout. Um, I don't know. Personally, at this point, I, I don't think velocity is much of a concern. I mean, you look at his first half, second half splits, they're, they're pretty similar. Um, he actually averaged more Ks per nine in the first half than he did the second. Granted, they're just about the same. 9.03 in the first, 8.78 in the second. Um, certainly a big year for him, you know, in terms of uh, he's gearing up for the contract of his life two years from now. So um, no reason to think that if he doesn't continue on this trajectory that he can get well, North with the Guardians are going to pay him, that's for sure. Um, I also think it's interesting because we don't have to get into trade talk necessarily, but you know there might be a passing of the guard moment coming at some point as him as the stalwart of the rotation. And then you know with all the young guns, Bybee, Williams, maybe Espino, that seems to be like the next wave. So how that's handled exactly, it's going to be fascinating to monitor, but... Yeah, I mean he's he's the best pitcher, in, starting pitcher in the division. Um, yeah, yeah, even more so than Dylan Cease. I, I don't think Dylan Cease has quite the track record the Bieber has just as yet, but um, I'd still take him over any other starting pitcher in the AL Central. Um, again, he looks good so far. All indications are he's able to to throw at will, and 
there's no limitations. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited about him. We're going to need him to, you know, to continue to be where he was at last year. Um, you know, because I, as, as excited as we are by some of these younger guys, there's still a lot of question marks in the back of the rotation. I think for us to repeat success we had last year, Bieber, McKenzie, and to a lesser extent, Quantrill need to be as productive as they were. Okay. Mike, let's let's swing it over to you. I, I I just to kind of touch on what Kevin said. I think you know being able to just focus on just being able to focus on throwing his pitches, whereas last year he had to focus a good part of that. For you, you mentioned the split difference. You know, obviously, I think you spend a good part of that first half of the season worrying about just being healthy, whereas this year he is healthy. That could pay dividends early on. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think I I do think the velocity is like hugely important. I think Gage pointed this out early last year when you took a look at like, you know, his fastball and his success generally from a contact induced perspective at 92 versus 93. Um, I think it's a piece that, you know, a lot of beat reporters borrowed as well. And, uh, good analysis by Gage. I think, yeah, I mean, velocity is a big deal for him. Um, I think it is for most pitchers. I also think it's hard. You know, he's a guy who was drafted throwing 86 to 89. They've already tacked on four to five miles per hour. Him retaining those are pretty big. He's obviously a, a command, you know, elite command control guy who was able to, like, that addition of velocity tipped him into like, that ace range. And that's really, to me, it determines whether he's in that ace range or, like, very good. Like, very good's not bad. I mean, like, we've seen him be just, like, very good and, like, hey, you want to go post a five-war year? That's fine with me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think the velocity threshold for him is really, like, there's no place for him to add or regain to me, you know, he's you know he's phenomenal at using his off-speed pitches, his breaking balls, but he uses them a ton. Um, and one of the big difference makers for him is whether that fastball velocity gap is just up a little. He's getting a little more spin. He can ride it a little higher. Um, so that's a big deal. Um, you know, I'm optimistic generally. At the trade thing, I think that's just something you're assessing every three months. You know, like like I do. I think you get mo- get moved at midseason, yeah. But I think like the whole boat has already drowned if he's getting moved at midseason this year. Um, yeah, and I, you know, yeah. I don't, I, I do think, I think one of the things from a meta narrative perspective that's become really popular, oh, this is what the Guardians just figured out. Like they did this with Bauer and they did this with Clevenger, and I just wouldn't use those as like key examples because I think when they're contending, I think there, as we see publicly now, I think there are real reasons, and including injury risk with Clevenger, why the team was like pretty content to just move on from both those guys. Um, late in their contracts. So I don't I don't think those will be comparable situations. So I'm really excited about Bieber. I really hope, you know, he you know, he holds that health up. Um what is he? Is a, he's a one time Tommy Johnner already. He already had some shoulder stuff. I mean look, like he is a real injury risk. It's a very thin rotation. They need him to be really good this year and they need him to pitch a lot. Um I hope he can do it. I think he should do it. But he's a pitcher. They break. Well, you mentioned something there, and I do want to hop over to Jose Ramirez at some point, but you mentioned kind of an interesting statement that hasn't really been stated maybe enough, you know, on social media and um, via some of the the writers. Uh, You mentioned a thin rotation, and when you look at the rest of the rotation, you've got McKenzie, you've got Quantrill, uh, Savali, and then past that, you have Plesak and a variety of other guys who maybe tasted it a little bit. Uh, Kevin mentioned Bybee, of course, and Williams. And, you know, news, news of course, this spring early on that, that, that Espino is still dealing with some shoulder issues. Um, when you mentioned, Mike, a, a thin rotation, you know, past Bieber, uh, what are your big concerns regarding this rotation? As you mentioned, the thin rotation, you know, you had McKenzie sort of coming out party last year. And, you know, you and I have been talking about McKenzie for years and years and years about, you know, body makeup. And, you know, is this a guy, you know, obviously he, he sort of disappeared off the radar for a while with injury concerns and, um, you know, showed us exactly, you know, why the, the Indian front office or the Guardians front office was, um, you know, high on him last year. Uh, McKenzie and, and, and the rest of the guys that are being mentioned as rotation mates this year, which is very similar to what we had last year. Um, what are your concerns? Why would you consider this thin? They do have depth. Um, at the triple A and double A level, I don't know how close you know Bybee Williams are, and Espino seems to be. Um, there's some cautionary tale there. Uh, biggest concerns uh, past past Bieber. Um, 
there's a couple. Look, I'm like one of the biggest Savali stands on Earth. I love Aaron Savali's pitch mix. I think he's an absolutely brilliant pitcher on the mound. Um, he doesn't very often throw more than reality. He's had real issues staying healthy in his career at every level. And stuff. I think he's awesome. I think those are guys you hang on to. You need anytime you can get a good hundred innings for that cheap, you're gonna do it. I really like Savali, but I don't think you can really project him to throw more than 120 innings. Plezak largely is like a league average starting pitcher or worse when he's on the mound, when he's not behaving as a buffoon, um, which is seems to be most of his time. Um, I really like McKenzie. I mean, yeah, I, I think we're starting to build somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that bridge is, I think we've under-exaggerated that bridge a little bit. Look, like Bibby and Williams could be there, you know, tomorrow dominate. That'd be fantastic. And like the big time stuff, like, Pitchers can move quickly, um, and they should be ready at some point this year. But I do worry that, like, some of the bridge guys we kind of hoped would be competent are just, like, not forcing their way. I love Cody Morris. Guy can't stay on the mound. And, like, it really looks like you probably won him in the past. Now he's like, look, he's young, um, but we have a lot of lat injuries. Actually, like, Cody Morris in the grand scheme of things is, like, what, 24, 25? He's not that young. Um yeah, 26 is here. 26 is here. So yeah. then you look at some yeah. of these other options. You look at Xavier Curry, like, you know, okay, but, like, he and Hunter Gaddis weren't exactly, like, impressive. And, look, I saw a lot of Connor Pilkington starts last year. I have no beef with Connor Pilkington. Um, but when you have th- that many innings coming from, like, Pilkington and Plezak, um, I think you have to say, like, you know, we're a little thin. And, like, I think next year – there's a really good chance we're saying, hey, this is a really deep rotation. But I think we just got a little bridge here that I'm not super confident in. Like, I, I just don't – we're going to see a lot of act pitching this year. We're going to see a decent amount of, like, some of those fringier guys. And, like, that's – I'm sorry, that's not good. <laughs> like, and Tristan McKenzie's well, a three-starter I- right now. I'm happy what, when he makes the leap to, like, a one or a two, that'd be great. But, like, I basically have a one, a three – Quantrill is like a some sort of scientific experiment in contact management. And then I have a five. You know, like I, I don't know. Somewhere I, somewhere somewhere in the in the in the netherworld, Gage will heard that. That was for him. He might pop on Dude, now. This is the entire reason I said that is like tomorrow, like twenty minutes in, he's gonna be like, God, I hate this guy. I hate Mike so much. <laughs> might be certain that. Well, to your point, Mike, I I think it's interesting because it almost uh, raises the parallel that we saw last season because there were so many question marks in a lot of position players, and their strategy in that regard was, okay, we like what we have at the upper minor league level. Some of these guys are knocking on the door. We don't want to block them with equally – or not even just like, you know, kind of marginal players like Jock Peterson types – Instead, if we're going to upgrade, we're going to do it bold. It's going to be like a, a no doubt um, upgrade there. And then when they couldn't land Matt Olson, they couldn't land Winker at the time. They decided, all right, you know, we're just going to give the kids a chance. Is this kind of similar with like the end of the back of the rotation where I'm almost wondering, all right, they're going to at least start the season with Plesac in the fifth spot, but instead of like them pursuing Kyle Gibson this past season or. Um, you know, Michael Waka, whomever, they're going to go, all right, well, if Plesak shits the bed or breaks his hand or whatever again, then it's time to turn it over to Williams or Bybee and then maybe avoid the Xavier Curry types, Hunter Gaddises, and just go straight to your, your top prospects who are, again, this is assuming that they're, they deem them ready, but I almost wonder if there's a parallel there with the pitching staff this season, what we saw the position players last year. I'll wait for, for I think Jimmy's that... Play. Well, so so I do actually believe that's probably how they're looking at this. I think uh, over the past three or four years, the already conservative front office has gotten extremely conservative, building up the system and now just trying to feed from within. Um, I think, you know, as you're talking, Kevin, I think, you know, my, my, my thought, you know, turns to July, whereas, you know, if, if, if they're contending, you know, the hope would be that they're um, and, and they still have these, these question marks in, in, in the rotation that they would use some of their prospect depth to acquire another, not only decent arm, but, a 
you know, a I, I don't want to say frontline starter, but certainly someone who can fill that number two or number three hole pretty solidly. I mean, that would be the hope. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it, it, in a in a normal baseball town, I think you would go, yeah, they've got the tools to do it. That's what they're waiting to do. They didn't think they were going to contend last year. They're going into this year with their full complement of tools that they had last year, knowing that in July they can make moves. But I think we know this front office too well. And to think that's a confident statement would be would be really overstating it. So I I do think that their plan is probably to utilize, you know, I, I think, you know, Espino, you know, wherever you think he's at, based on the information we've got in the three days since camp, since they've started showing up, um, you know, Espino, you know, Williams Bybee would be their backups. But again, I don't think they like, A, I don't think they, they, they want to go into a postseason, you know, with, with rookies as the bulkier rotation. And two, in past years, we've had these super, you know, these uber um, catching, you know, backstops that, that really know how to work in a, a rotation. And I think this is, this is, you know, nothing against, you know, our current crop of catchers. Um, I, you know, when you move on from, from hedges who, you know, obviously has faults, but is one of the best catching Catchers in baseball and knows how to call a game, knows how to frame. And I'm not saying, you know, Zvino is not one of those guys. I mean, he is, but I still have a lot of questions about him health-wise. I, I, I think they're looking at the youth coming up and filling in these gaps and, and, and wondering, like, what, what catcher, the catcher role plays a part into this rotation, you know, since Gomes was the backstop clear back in 2014, 2015. Um, I think there's questions there. You know, if, if there's injury concerns at catcher, you bring up Naylor, but now you've got a rookie catcher. Um, and we don't really have I, – I just think that's a concern. So, you know, do we trade for a starter? Is the youth going to be enough to bulk up this rotation? Um, you know, will McKenzie continue his progression to be that clear number two uh, or number one? Uh, we can talk, you know, projections for him in a bit. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I know Mike's got some takes on this. I, I my, my wish was that they would have used at least one of these three um, and some sort of package deal to bring in a starter. That was my number one want this offseason, aside from, from a first baseman. Um, and they didn't do it. So now we have to see what we've got in the same manner in which we did that last year. And I'm, if there's one concern that I have, that's the concern. Mike, take it away. I know you've got some thoughts. Um. I, I think I think it's, I think it surprises people when I say that I think their rotation is thin, and I guess my take is like like starting rotation. They were basically the, like best comp is probably like the White Sox staff last year. I mean, they're basically league average. They're fourteenth in F WAR, similar place in FIP. I mean, look, rock solid rotation, not crazy deep. You got. So far, McKenzie's career year in innings and in performance. And look, there's room for a leap. But, you know, like, I think a lot of times we just, like, assume, like, oh, this is this is just, like, an uphill trajectory climb. And not like, hey, like, McKenzie was, like, a great outcome for his entire prospect pedigree last year was last season. And there's a lot of, like, oh, all right, it's time for him to make the next step. Maybe he does. Maybe he's, just like, a really good three-star. Um, the, the Quantrill thing, I think, is, like, one of the ultimate. Like I, I think Gage is remarkably bright, and I also like at times talk myself into contact stuff, and I think it's partially true. Um, but in a post shift world, and I know the Guardians shift some of the least in baseball. Like I'm interested on how Quantrill looks. Uh, I'm interested what he looks like if if Miles Straw isn't playing center field a ton, um, and you're like playing Will Brennan in center field a lot more. I think that hurts Quantrill the most of anyone. Um, and there's just like some pieces where, look, I, I, like I said, I think in, in a year and a half, if you were saying, hey, we have a top end rotation, I think that's a pretty likely outcome. I think there's a pretty decent chance that happens. But I also think there's a pretty decent chance it's June and we're saying, why am I watching Hilkington pitch for the third straight time? Or why am I watching Hunter Gaddis again? And like, it's unfortunate, but like, and look, maybe, maybe Bibby and Williams get there really fast. Seems like Logan Allen's going to get the first bite. It's also hilarious because, like, yeah. like Fangraphs 
and I, I think Longenhagen's fantastic, but like almost nobody has this like projection on Logan Allen. And I'm like, I like a lot of underlying data, data with Logan Allen, but like, how often does anybody, even in the hardcores, are like, oh yeah, like, like look at Logan Allen, he pitched like sixty plus innings in AAA last year. We should be assuming he like could force his way in 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 May. Nobody says that, and maybe we should be. Maybe that's the thing we're not thinking about. Maybe Logan Allen can supplant Zach Plesac, um before Memorial Day, um, but nobody talks about. It. I'm sorry, I haven't even heard the that's I haven't heard the Guardians org talk about Logan Allen in a way that makes me think. They're like, oh my god, we got, we got to force this guy in quickly. Well, and you know, well maybe since they haven't yeah. traded him, that that's kind of a because I imagine he, he's involved in trade discussions. Maybe they're they're valuing him pretty high in trade discussions. Yeah, I mean they haven't traded anybody. Yeah, I don't. But I mean, but well, and I, I mean, I can't imagine they were selling high on him based on his on his AAA performance. And I, I think that you know we've been around the organization long enough to know you know the guys that they really like and why they keep them. I, um, I. As Mike noted, you know, we hear even now we're, we're sort of out of the loop with regards to that. But I think even now we hear that the, the right kind of buzz about certain guys that they just, you know, Stephen Kwan being an example. Um, we hear certain buzz about guys and Allen has none of that buzz. Um, not to say that we can't miss stuff like that. I mean, obviously we can. I mean, you know, no one's ever going to say that we're insiders or anything like that. But but having paid attention to the how they've handled their minor leaguers. Um, over the course of the years, I think we still have a pretty good beat on the guys that they really like. And um, they moved Allen that way last year. So so perhaps we're just selectively choosing not to see it. But I, I just I agree, Mike. I don't I don't see it like that at all. I I I, I am still going to title this Logan Allen supplants police sack by Memorial Day. I mean, that's definitely going to be the title of this. Podcast. The really funny thing is, like, I guess he reminds me. I'm trying to think of the comp he reminds me of the most. He's he fascinates me. He seems like a guy who you like you stare at his strikeout rate and his walk rate in the minors, and you're like, wow, I don't understand how this guy can't be good. And then you're like, ah, I can't explain. There's some weird ball stuff in AAA. So I think I need to be much more optimistic about him. I mean, it, I just uh, it is amazing how quiet everything is and how mediocre their staff is, and like how sorry, I just like very little Logan Allen discussion. <laughs> Can, can it be drawn well, up to like the the superficial element where Logan Allen's fastball what ninety one ninety two? Meanwhile, you got Williams and Bybee just pumping gas, and people are you know especially with Bybee's evolution. What was he eighty seven <laughs> in college, and now he's hitting ninety nine. So it's it's easy to get infatuated with that. Maybe we're just you know Logan Allen's a byproduct of that. Let me ask. Let me say this real quick too. Would, would you guys agree that it, almost something has gone wrong if Zach Plesac is still in the rotation by midseason? I just feel like that that would be a huge bummer if he's still how is like how's he how's he still how's he still on the team like I I, I if you would have asked me if we would have done a podcast at the tail end of last year that we could have actually recorded if you'd have asked me the one guy for sure that you thought wasn't going to be here who's actually you know got years left to be here who would it be I would have said Please has gone for sure and it's, how's he still on the I team? think it certainly felt like it, not yeah. for a lack of trying I mean like. <laughs> Like there's enough, there were enough like public rumors about like I think the Cardinals and two to three other teams like kicking the tires on Plezak. Like I, I mean I think I think it's one of those things. I think his I like Ahmed Rosario a lot more, but it's like sort of those similar value propositions where you're paying him very little. He's a like a league averageish player, and like if you don't get anything good for him, you need depth. So why would you move him? And I think they kind of just got caught in that place with Zach Plezak, where it's like, look, we're all bagging on Plezak, and I love bagging on Plezak. He's one of the least likable dudes I've ever rooted for in Cleveland because he's a bonehead. <laughs> but, like, he also, like, is useful. And, uh, you know, it's it. Doesn't walk anybody, but, I mean, when you, his Woba on his fastball last season was 418. Yeah, it's not great. And Paul, Gold, Paul Goldschmidt's... Ex-Woba last season was four nineteen. and he was the NLFVP. I mean, you're a starting pitcher in the Major, major League Baseball, and your Woba on fastballs is four eighteen. It's just, it's hard. His slider's pretty good, though. I don't know why he doesn't throw that more often. He, and he just doesn't strike well, enough maybe we'll, maybe we'll see. Yeah. I, real quick on Quantrill, and, and, you know, I think 
maybe it's just because we do talk about him quite a bit in the chat. He's been a project for two different organizations. He's really been a project with the Guardians for a couple of years now. And, and you know, you feel like he's on the cusp of, of something. And, you, you know, I, I, Mike, you sort of noted this. It, I don't know that he's got the type of stuff to get over, like, the 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 humps that we want him to to get to a, the certain level we want him to get to. Um, when does a project guy like Quantrill just become that's the guy he is? Because it sort of seems like that's the guy he is who we're seeing right now. And, and again, I, I think what we're getting out of Quantrill is a solid, you know, a solid part of a, a rotation. Like he's going to be a big part of this rotation this year, and he he was a big factor uh, in September and October last year. Um, but, but but I I mean, not to say that this organization can't can't kick a a pitcher up a notch, but. Uh, I kind of think this is the control we're going to get, right? Yeah, you either you either really buy that we're missing something in the analytics world from like a contact perspective, like we're just not being able to bake that into like our advanced value metrics, or you just say, hey, we have a really good four starter, and like we're going to let him play out his contract at walk. And like that's still a good deal. Still a pretty good return as, like, what, what was he, the second or third biggest asset in the deal he was in? Still pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Still pretty great. Um, but, like, I think one of the things that got exposed is in a playoff series, especially with Bieber, a little thing was like, look, I want Bieber starting the playoffs and, like, maybe McKenzie, and, like, there is no one else in that rotation right now pitching a big game. And I, once again, I really like a lot of these guys for what they are. I love Savali. Um, Quantrill is like really carved out a nice role, but like I don't, I don't really need to see him in a playoff game. Kevin doesn't like that take. All right, let's switch over to the off- on Kevin's face. Let's, uh- you can see on Kevin's face he does not <laughs> like that take. He's like, I am throwing down with Cal Quantrill. When we play dark, he hits the center every time. He's the Ted Lasso of dark. <laughs> No, I mean, in my head, I was trying to think. Yeah, I don't think there is anybody. I I, I feel that comfortable. I th- I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I, it was a kind of a sad realization I had once he said that. Um, and it just kind of harkens back to what we've been saying about the kids on the way, and and we're all more excited about them. But yeah, I and, and Jim, I know you said you don't want to see uh, a rookie start a playoff game, but man, uh, I, I don't know if if oh, no, no, Biden, no 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 no. Don't misunderstand. I I do. I think. I think when you're talking about the pedigree that these guys have, I think having them having, I think if you're depending on them um, in a playoff series uh, as the bulk of your rotation, I think that's a, a, a flawed way to look at it today um, in, in, in February. I mean, I, you know, I think we've learned enough about the, the developmental system in, of this Guardians organization that they develop pitchers as good as anybody. Um, at least those guys, as Mike mentioned, you know, you have a guy like Bieber who, you know, obviously the, the organization helped develop a lot of velocity. Um, I I, I want to see what they do with elite arms as they progress through because the historical, you know, if you go back and look at their top pedigree arms over the years, um, they haven't really panned out for lo- for longevity. Now, um, you know, so what do we see? We watched these guys fly through the system last year. I think we'll continue to see that this year. And, and, and again, I don't know that we've had the bulk of quality arms. Um, so I, I, I say that I say that with the understanding that, you know, the young guys that we've seen over the years are, are guys that have kind of slow burned in that system. And we kind of stirred them in that soup. And um, what came out is, is sort of battle tested guys, whereas we've got these these, you know, two or three super young guys that are rocketing through the system and, and are going to be, you know, if they make it up this year, I'm not saying they haven't earned it. It's just a different way of earning. They've earned it on the pedigree and the velocity um, and, and skill. Um, but I, 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 I just I, I want to see a, a, season, a, a more seasoned top end guy is, is what I'd like to see. I, you know, you if you have a if you have a rotation of Bieber, McKenzie and insert, you know, one of two or three guys that we were talking about over the offseason that may be dealing for. You've got, you know, you've got a solid rotation. And now this whole conversation changes. Now we're hunting for, you know, a number two or number three guy. 
um, you know, maybe it's just one guy, but you know, if, if Savali struggles with injury as he has in the past, and then even if he's not struggling with injury, it's just, you know, sort of struggling through finding some consistency here and getting touched up there. Uh, you know, please sack. I can't, I don't think anyone's depending on, you know, you've got Quantrill who I think we've seen the top end. Um, I, I, I just, I, you know, I, my fear is that depending on, on, on rookies now is, is a mistake. Um, although my mind can, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a long tangent on that. No, Kevin, no, but, no, it's good. You know, I, it's good. yeah, I, 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 you know, obviously if, you know, they come up in, if they come up this year, I, I, I'm assuming we'll see one or two of them, if not all three, um, depending on, on health. I think it, I, yeah, and to my yeah point, it's a, to your you're point, right. It's, it's a good it's, problem. Exactly. Like if we're talking about, like, Hey, we're not entirely comfortable with a third playoff starter right now. Like, I think there are a lot of fan bases like, God, sign us up for that, please, is being the most pressing issue. So, no, I, but it, it's something to monitor for sure. And, Jim, as you made clear at the beginning of the podcast, I do think that, and look, the Guardians put themselves in a situation where if they are willing to pull the trigger come July, and if there are going to be some big names out there on the trade block, the Guardians are going to be linked to every single one of them. Now, when they, if they actually pull the trigger on them, you know, I, I'm very, very skeptical at this point. But, you know they're going to be having discussions. They have the ammo to do it. Maybe there is that perfect fit. I would guess if there is going to be a big trade, it's going to be involved in the middle infield. I think that that seems to be where they're most comfortable dealing from. It seems like they're very reluctant, in particular, to deal in the top arms. Um, seems like Valera might be essentially off limits. So if they're going to deal, it's going to be from the, the middle infield, which we'll, uh, we'll we'll definitely be talking about for a lot of months to come. Juan Brito, I baby. Just Juan s- Brito. I, I do. I, I do just want to say I really, you know, while I agree with Mike that the trajectory with regards to starters, especially someone who, um, you know, had questions coming into the season and Tristan McKenzie, I, I do think there is a question on the trajectory. I do think though that we could, you know, if we do see that uptick in McKenzie, and I think we will. I think McKenzie, you know, is going to put himself right up there. Um, with Bieber by the end of the season. So I, I, I do think we have an ace in McKenzie. So my concerns with the rotation probably aren't as deep as Mike's, but I, I, I like the fact that he said our, our pitching rotation specifically is is thin because I, I don't disagree with that. I, I think it's a different kind of thin than some of these other teams are going to be battling in the central, but, but I would agree overall, especially considering the rotations that we've had in the past. Um, let's talk offense real quick here. Um, I, I, I just want to touch touch this whole conversation off with, with Jose Ramirez just because, um, you know, lots of interesting discussion about his how his season can go this year, specifically with um, the new shift rules in place, um, a lot of MVP talk uh, coming into the season healthy. Um, my one caveat to that is we say this about Jose a lot. He's going to come into the season healthy, and it seems like every season we get to the end and we find out that, like, he had, you know, a broken finger, a broken hand. He was battling injuries for two months. We see the dip almost every year because of the style of play. Um, he still hasn't had that big season, and that's saying something because he's had a lot of big seasons. I still think there's some in the tank. Uh, just your general thoughts on Jose Ramirez this year is the shift um, being taken away. I mean, obviously, it's going to help him to some extent. Is it going to help him enough to have that kind of monster season, I think, many people think he could have. Um, I think it's a bigger deal for someone like Ramirez, even though he hits fewer ground balls than Naylor than it is for someone like Josh. Not like declaring. But I, I think the thing with Ramirez is if you buy him five to seven more singles, you're buying him like two or three more stolen bases. And like one of those annoying singles is one of his stupid hustle doubles. I just think you're, like, buying a lot more offense with, like, five to seven balls that Ramirez steals through an infield shift than somebody who, like, is literally a clog on the bases. And so that's why I think it's, like, a little more impactful with Ramirez just from, like, a war-generating standpoint because, like, one of those he'll steal a base, one of them he'll turn into a double, and that's, like, real run creation. Um, Look, dude's awesome. He's going to go 30-20 again, and the question is just, like, how much further above 30-20 is going to go. He's been basically 30-20 for like five years now. Like, uh, for seven years, he's been one of the five best players in baseball. Uh, it's just like, it's reality. And he t- until he does otherwise, like, whatever. And, and to your point, Jim, like, 
The one thing that actually saddens me is like, yeah, he's like playing banged up all the time. It may just be the reality for a five nine dude who runs and takes advantage of every single defensive miscue. Like I think for him to like stay healthy, you have to take away one of his greatest gifts, which is like that dude's one of the smartest base runners I've ever seen and leverages every single angle for an advantage and to create run. Um, and so a part of it is like, yeah, I'd like really would like to see him on game 155 one year, just look like a little fresher and like, Hey, you know, maybe Francona, when you have it clinched, he doesn't need to play the last week of the season, maybe one game, but you know, it's okay. Everything was good. He didn't need surgery immediately after the season. It was fine. Everybody Tito's a genius, but Dr. Francona. I mean, the guy can't even eat pasta safely. Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to trust him to take care of my franchise player? This guy's breaking his teeth with pasta? He's like 70. It's adorable, Michael. It's adorable. You know how many people learned to make pasta in college? Tito, he was in the clubhouse since he was five. He never had to make pasta for daddy? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> do, you think, do, you th- do you think he sweated more making that pasta then Karen Chak is going to sweat this year trying to figure out this new clock. Oh, no, dude, that Karen Chak is just like, what a puddle that's going to be. And I mean, look, like, like I also just like, I love the stuff where we're like, oh, that's so cute. He's 70. He rides a scooter. And it's like, you know, like if, if I, if I like didn't know how to like, I don't know, make pasta, like, like a remedial thing, my wife would just like brutalize me for two weeks about that. We're like, oh, it's so cute. He's incompetent. <laughs> so funny. He's unsafe. He probably can't feed himself. <laughs> All right. You know that you're you're immune from like uh, any criticism when it becomes headlines and everyone's celebrating the fact that you're a complete slob. <laughs> like I want to reach that level in my my life. Seriously. Where people are just like that, Kevin. Man, he he just sucks. But you gotta love. Gotta him. Love. Guy almost asphyxiated um, himself trying to eat the ice cream out of the bottom of the uh, Briars can last night. <laughs> what a smart, what a cute guy! How charming! That's our Tito. <laughs> He's great at roster management. <laughs> Can't make pasta. Great at roster. It's the stuff we don't know about. That we know he's great at. He is, he's um, a, you know what, everybody? I take all that back. I, I'm just like it was a bit. It was a joke. He's a very good manager. I like him very effective. He, Mike doesn't believe in anything. Especially 2 a.m. at Wonder um, Bar. <laughs> oh, boy. We, we've got All right, there. 43, we 32. There. Got that one tagged. All right. <laughs> um, Mike, Jim, if if you had to put money on it, ultimately, when it's all said and done, and again, Mike, I think you're exactly right about these rules. They're almost like the Jose Ramirez rules. Like These rules are encouraging more guys to play like Jose Ramirez. There's only one Jose Ramirez, but... God would be great if more players acted like him and play like him. But when it's all said and done, is he a Hall of Famer? I, 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 I'm starting to lean towards yes. I, I, I think that he's in such a good place right now. He probably just needs five, six more elite seasons. Like five, six more. I mean, easier said than done, I understand that. But six win seasons. I th- and then he's got a real damn good case. Yeah, I think, I think he needs three of those and then like two, like three war seasons. Um, really? Okay. I think we need th- I think oh, we need three more apex seasons. You get me three more apex seasons. I'm at like 58 war. And then like I just like sneak over to 61, 62 with a couple of decent seasons. The one thing I really worry about, I worry about two things with him, like durability. Like he's been healthy his entire career, but like I pick on Naylor a little bit, but like Jose is like does not seem like he hits the crazy. Um. So I, I don't know. Like I think part of how he ages will be how, oh, part of how he takes care of his body over the next years. Like I think he'll take it very seriously because he's an intense competitor. But you never know. And I mean, I think the other piece is like, I think when you start having Hall of Fame discussions, you talk, start talking about like, right? We're like, oh, like 500 home runs, 400 home runs, and you start to look, and you're like, I think the best for him is like, I think he could be like a 350 home run, 250 steal guy. And I think you get there with like three or four gold gloves and it's like a pretty easy case with all his top five MVP finishes. Um, but I think if, if he can steal an MVP in the next three years, get to 350, 250, and like home runs and steals, then I think it's like really likely. Um, 
but I, I kind of like to see him hit some of those counting numbers that people really care about. <laughs> I think it, I think it sure. makes the case easier. And I know it's not a perfect comparison, but I think Scott Rowland getting it does help Jose's case ultimately. Yeah, well, the other part of this, the MVP thing is is a big deal. I think if he wins an MVP, I think that obviously is a big plus side for the Hall of Fame. I think, you know, this this team directionally where it goes, you know, if he, you know, if this team makes makes to the World Series, if this team wins a World Series in the next two to three years, I think that's a big deal. Maybe he pulls off an MVP in the playoffs. Um I do think, you know, you know, does he have, you know, a 40 home run season in him yet to come? You know, do we see that truly big season that we we've seen big seasons, but is there one elite, you know, 10, 10 F4 season there um, where he could just go beyond expectations, which which I still think that's possible. I mean, I think I think go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. To your point, I just want to write that real quick because you bring up an excellent point. If 2020, if he had a full, like, again, it was only it was a truncated season, but how freaking awesome did he look in that shortened 2020 season? So if we play 162 games that year, maybe that's your 10-war season from Jose because, and this is, again, assuming he doesn't face any injuries, but, man, I, I think that was the highest, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it may have been his highest WRC plus that year. Uh, obviously, he finished second in the MVP race. He should have won the MVP race, whatever. Um, you know, 2019, again, he had that funky first half, that weird first half. And then just he was Jose again the second half. Then he had the hand injury, <laughs> comes back. Maybe his most one of his most legendary moments is that game in Chicago. He hit two homers, one from the left side, one from the right. Um, so yeah, I, I I think to your point, Jim, I think that ten win season still in him. And I, I always wonder if that twenty twenty was it. But you know, let, I, I think this year he's got a really good shot. Seriously, I'm not like one of yeah, these. I, I like, think he's the only... you know, if like Mike Pence to intervene, but like. That Jose Abreu MVP class <laughs> is the most offensive I've ever seen. I mean, he was not in the same class. He racked up some counting statistics. But, like, I don't know. Ramirez, like, plays a position and, like, had better offensive numbers and plays gold glove caliber third base. That was embarrassing. That was a farce. It was RBI, right? It, it was yeah, RBI. It was that like, was the only reason. That... And, like, honestly, like, it really does make me sad. It scares me a little bit that, like, I would really. I'm worried that in five years they're going to be like, man, this guy never won an MVP and was one of the five best players in baseball for ten years, and like now I have to go like worry about his hall chances because the writers felt really good about Jose Abreu stealing. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I would say this real quick about Jose, Jim, and Mike. Real quick, I think we have to appreciate just like how great he is, and this is really cool. He's the player of our. He's the Cleveland baseball player of our lifetime because. This dude has a legitimate shot to not only win an MVP, go into the Hall of Fame. Um, if, if, if the Guardians win a World Series with Jose as one of the key players on it, he's going to get a statue. He might get a statue anyways. You know, we, we know what he did last season by leaving, what, at least $100 million on the table. I just, I, you know, it's cliche at this point among guys like us who you know, follow this team so closely, but I, I don't think enough praise could be heaped upon him. And it's so cool that we get to watch this guy night in and night out I mean, this is this is our guy, and, and there's a very good chance again that he can hit those things I just mentioned in terms of a statue, MVP, Hall of Fame, and I just yeah, I, I'm I'm fortunate that we can uh, enjoy it all. I don't, Kevin. I don't know if we've told you this, but I mean, Jim and I actually have started a statue already. In well, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. offended. Yeah. I'm I'm more than happy to bring the uh, the hammer or whatever you need. The feet are done. They're not. He doesn't <laughs> have large true. feet. Yeah, the that... feet are done. <laughs> Yeah. That's true. He's yeah, only five nine. It's my height, so it shouldn't yeah. take too long to get it done. Um, <laughs> just a, speaking of this year, I think it'll be nice. And again, I don't want to get into the values of like protecting batters and all that because obviously the metrics, you know, speak to that a bit. But it would be nice if we had a guy who hits behind him who at least makes some pitchers have to pitch to him in certain situations. Um, hopefully that will get help this year by, by Josh Bell, but um, I digress. I think going back real quick to the potential Hall of Fame candidacy, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he gets three more elite seasons as a third baseman. Um, I think one of the things that may hurt him going forward is, you know, he doesn't have that clear slot to first base like Miguel, Cab- Miguel Cabrera did. Um, 
you know, wh- where is he playing at age 33, age 34, age 35? Is he just a DH? Um, that could play a part into it as well. Uh, I don't know. We shall see. Uh, I think he's going to win the MVP this year, though. So I think I think step one will be in place. World Series, we shall see. All right. Real quick, as we kind of close, getting get, getting close to the end time here, um, looking at the rest of the offense, maybe you want to – let's just kind of open the door up here, um, whether you want to talk offense, whether you want to talk about the moves that they should have made that they didn't, the gaps that we may have in this team, uh, maybe the strengths that we have in this team offensively uh, going forward, the acquisition of Josh Bell, um, new catcher, obviously. Uh, you know, Mike, we'll start with you. You know, just looking past Jose – um, obviously, we had Jimenez like have a fantastic year last year. I think he projects really well this year as well. Um, you know, past Jimenez, you know, we've got the Ahmed Rosario question. I think we're probably going to be riding him out this year. Um, you know, the outfield is very intriguing. I, I, you know, in past years, we've had gaps in the outfield. I think this year, I'm not saying that we don't have gaps, but they're different types of gaps. I, you know, we've got Quan in left. I think that's solidified. We've got questions in center. Will we see Brennan out there? Um, you know, we could we could over under, you know, the the, the Brennan straw um, combination out there in center field, you know, you know, Ogon and, and right field, you know, had a fantastic season. I think all of us kind of still kind of scratching our heads about what that looks like going forward. Uh, we have, you know, some interesting prospects in Valera coming up. I mean, obviously, they they put a lot of faith in Valera moving. And again, this isn't to say that Benson was like pounding down the door. Um, but they moved Benson for a reason, and obviously Valera's, you know, I don't want to say he's next in line, but he's pretty close to next in line. A whole slew of guys, you know, Rokio to kind of lead things off in, in the middle of, um, of that lineup that can, can solidify should they decide to move on from, from Rosario at some point this year. Um, just kind of really quickly, and Josh Naylor, you know, is he is he healthy? Is he Did we see the best he could do last year? Is this just kind of the guy that we're going to get? And I say that. Um, you know, he had a pretty bad second half last year. The first half was pretty decent. Um, is this guy ever going to be healthy enough to 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 give us a full on season of, of, of you know? Where is he going to play? Um, general thoughts on the rest of the lineup um, as we kind of head towards wrap up. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. On the lineup, it's going to be better than last year offensively. I think in a lot of ways. Like you know, I expect some regression from Oscar. Probably some from in some ways maybe from Kwani. Uh, but I just like it would be truly impressive if their catcher combination could be as bad offensively as it was last year. Um, you're going to get a 30, 40% production lift at that position. And then you look at, you know, like you look at Josh Bell and like, I, you know, I have not loved the contract they signed him to, but the reality is he's going to be a 20 to 30% upgrade on like 400 Owen Miller at bats. So look, I have a thousand at bats that I just improved production by like thirty to forty percent. That's a big deal. Now I'm gonna have some, you know, some set off. Like I, you know, who knows if Andres Jimenez like takes a step back? I think that's really possible. You know, he was someone who I think we forget that like Jimenez was like for the first half of the year facing almost all right-handed pitchers, shifted pretty down, getting really advantageous matchups. I think he's really broken out. I'm really excited about him, but I think like when you have him playing full time, like. You know, the rate stats might decline a little bit. Um, and, like, look, Oscar, somebody's got to explain that to me. I've missed on him, but I'm still, like, not sold. Um, so, I mean, I, I have real optimism that the offense will be better than mine. But it freaking better be. You're trying to contend, and your offense last year was below average. I'm sorry. It better be better. So I expect it to be better. How much better? I mean, that's to be seen. Kevin, swinging over to you, does... You know, I threw a lot out there with, you know, the offensive side of things. And as fun as this team was to watch last year, you know, the one thing that that we lacked was just like instant power, instant runs. You know, we scraped together runs and it's a lot of fun. And I look forward to that again. Um, Will Josh Bell, and you don't have to talk about Bell if you don't want to, but obviously they brought him in for a reason. Contract, again, is an annoying contract. Nonetheless, if he is the Josh Bell that he's been through his whole career. I mean, 20 to 30% increase could be the floor of the increase of, of that position. Um, would, what stands out to you looking at, at, at you know, the players um, in that lineup? Uh, where do you see improvements and what's your biggest concern? Yeah, to piggyback a little bit what Mike said, I, I'm just still 
you know, I don't know if it could be understated the massive upgrades, both at catcher and at uh, DH first base. I mean, Josh Bell is, he's pretty much a guaranteed two win, 120 WRC plus player. And if you go, just go back two years ago, 2021, um, I could be off here, but Jose and Framel Reyes, I believe those are the only two guys in your lineup who are 20% above league average at the plate. Um, mm-hmm. This whole lineup should, I would say, the majority of this lineup should be at least be 20% above average. In fact, we had two guys in the lineup last year hit 20 home runs or more. I, I, I'll say now that I think five do. Maybe that's a little too generous, but I'll say, you know, Jose, Naylor, Josh Naylor, that is. Um, I don't think Bo gets that many play appearances this year. So Jose, Josh Naylor, uh, Josh Bell, three. I'll say Jimenez. Jimenez doesn't have to draw some more walks for sure, and I think that, you know there there certainly is. I mean, when when you're that freaking dynamic last season, it uh, regression certainly possible. But uh, I, he's super young, super exciting. So I'm going to be bullish, and then I'm going to say Gonzalez. Uh, I'll say Gonzalez hits 20. Um, he had I believe 11 last season, limited time. I, I he just might be that unicorn. He might be that 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 weird anomaly guy that somehow, some way, makes it all work. Um, I still think he's better off long-term DHing, like his arm. Don't like a lot of other stuff in right field there, but again, you know, I think we're going to see some other guys probably get the bulk there. But his bat will be in the line for sure. Um, Gonzalez is even better against right-handed pitching last season too. I mean, it's we could probably do a whole podcast on Oscar <laughs> Gonzalez. So he's 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 something else. But um, very excited about that. Will Brennan, you know, Jim, it was it was a pleasure for us to write about the the Wills last year, Brennan and Benson and. Boy, man, Will Brennan, he, he looked the part. I, I kind of came as advertised. Granted, it was a pretty uh, limited amount of plate appearances, but what 900 OPS in that amount of time. Um, from what we've heard, that the organization is very high in him, and they think that there's power potential there. Certainly not a lot of power potential right now with your current center fielder. So, I mean, that's something interesting right there. Um, and then, uh, well, and, and to the point, yeah, to the point that to the point that we were talking about earlier, a guy who you know, the organization clearly likes better than the world. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I think Brennan is most definitively that guy. They've handled him that way from jump. Um, and, and I do, you know, we wrote that piece. And I, I think, I honestly think it's going to be a fun season for Brennan and Benson. It's unfortunate Benson's not going to do it here in, in Cleveland. But I think Cincinnati. Um, it's a great you know, spot for him. Sold, yeah. Yeah. Great spot. So um, I'm sorry. Back to you. No, no, no. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, uh, you know, you look around the diamond, and you know, I think that uh, there's so many more patched up uh, positions that we were at this point last year. There were way too many. I mean, look look at the lineup at opening day last year. It was I could tell you off the top. It was Miles Straw leading off. So thankfully, we're not doing that any longer. I, I believe, hopefully, I don't know. Uh, but Ahmed second, Jose third. Okay, Fran Mill cleaning up. Bobby Bradley, yeah, hitting fifth. Yu Chang sixth. Quan was in the lineup, so we'll, we'll give our manager credit there. But he put him seventh, and then I think it was like the next day he's like, "Okay, we're, we're going to go back to uh, to uh, this, you know." I think we're going to put this guy a little higher in the lineup. Eighth was Hedges, and then ninth was Jimenez, and they decided, "Okay, you know, we're going to uh, you know give this kid a little." More. And I, to Mike, I think that was a good point. They were very cautious with Jimenez, and you know, look, it, it paid off. I mean, it, it, they they uh, took him along. Frank Cano finally let him hit against left-handers. He didn't struggle against them. Um, and then, yeah, Mike, I agree. The point about the bench, we had Ernie Clement and Owen Miller last year. Owen Miller was getting force-fed into the lineup every single day. Clement, it's not a major league hitter, sorry. Uh, Arias and Freeman, I mean, they. I, I like the fact, both those guys, I imagine, they're going to be on the opening day roster. I mean, there's, there's no point in putting them in Columbus. You can find ways. I think Naylor is going to be sitting against left-handed pitch. Josh Naylor is going to be sitting against left-handed pitching. Therefore, you can... DH Jose, then you put Freeman at third or Arias at third. They can be creative. I, I don't know. I mean, Freeman is, uh, you know, Chris Valeka was asked this offseason to name two guys that uh, to keep an eye on his potential breakout hitters, and he immediately named both Will Brennan and Tyler Freeman. I, I, you know, Freeman's a guy who's – he fits the mold in a lot of ways. Uh, he was a top prospect at one point, but I think, you know, sexier guys kind of – Overshadowed him a bit. We saw him briefly last season. They didn't put him on the postseason roster, so I think you know that may have soured some of us on him, or thinking that at least the organization may have soured on him a little bit. Um, but no, I mean it's, they're, they're going to find ways for these guys, and I, I, I agree. I mean you look at the 
Uh, they're going to have to shoehorn a catcher in there. I don't think Naylor is going to start the season on the big league roster. I think Bo's going to be in Columbus, so they got to find a way to add Gallagher, Collins, who, you know, whoever wins that job. Um, but again, it's going to be temporary. They're just going to be there until they think Bo's ready and come up. And yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty fun. And let me ask you guys this real quick. I mean, I I talked to a friend of ours the other day. Would you agree that? Not only this roster, but the state of the organization, the state of the farm system, this is kind of like the best it's been in a while. And I would almost include like 2017 because the the farm system in 2016-17, certainly not up to snuff like it is now. And I think it's evidenced by the fact that they traded a lot of those guys. You know, they traded Yu Chang or they tried to trade Yu Chang at first. They ended up getting rid of him. They traded Mejia, traded Frazier, traded Sheffield. And they have made it clear that they're not willing to part some of these top guys. So, I mean, am I off or am I getting a little no. too optimistic? Well, that's – no, I, I mean, I think top to bottom, you know, I don't think the minor league organization has been this good since the early 90s, to be honest with you. Um, and we were talking about, you know, a vaunted, like, um, just group of players that came up and created that, that 90s wave that we got to see. Um, on top of that, like a lot of these players that, that were in the system that needed to be hits, um, you know, starting with Lindor, I think, and um, Jose, I think, have been hits enough. And then over the past two to three years, we've seen um, those upper guys come up. You know, bo- the bulk of this roster um, currently is either young guys that were developed in the system or, or guys we've got in trades um, that I think, you know, our organization right now went to the playoffs last year and we have a top three system in the league. Um, our front office time and time again proves itself to be the best. I, I can't say that, you know, since 2001, 2002, the Cleveland Indians front office hasn't been considered one of the top five in baseball. And obviously right now many consider it the best. So, you know, as far as that goes, Kevin, you know, I haven't really thought of the entire organization as a whole. I mean, aside from their communication, (laughs) um, but, you know, they communicate the way that they need to. I, I, I can't disagree with the top to bottom. You know, we might be looking at, in our lifetime, uh, maybe the best top to bottom version of the Cleveland baseball team um, that we've maybe ever seen. Too. Also, I would add to that the yeah. blitzer factor as well. I think that, you know, the yeah. cash infusion and, and having that as kind of the uh, the next era of you know, a new owner on the horizon. For me, like the... the- yeah, and, and very, very understated. The yeah, zenith ahead. of guard, like of this of this team, was like when Dorsus Polino was in the system, and we we're like, "Oh, is he better than Lindor?" JK. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think the big league ro- <laughs> that name will never <laughs> the big league roster is the, like the, the, is not that twenty. I think if you want to argue organizationally, they're in an amazing space. I agree that twenty seventeen big league roster should have won World Series forever heartbroken it didn't but that's the reality the best team of baseball rarely wins the world series um and you just got to keep forcing your way into the playoffs and like that doesn't mean you shouldn't try and be the best team in the playoffs it's just that you know those margins are so narrow um which is why like i mean the dodgers have basically had one of the three best teams of baseball for what a decade now and they have one world series um it just sucks you think about the central division this is a total aside but like like, the two World Series in the last 25 years are what? Like, the Royals and the White Sox? That Royals team, like, sucked. It's like an 86-win team compared to, like, some of the really great teams. that The Tigers were running out teams with Verlander, Scherzer, Fister, um, and real Price. position player stars Price. The Guardians were running out three aces and Lindor and Ramirez with Encarnacion, and we can't win a World Series. And we had to watch that crap. Royals team win a world. How unfair! And like baseball's dumb. It's a reference in how stupid this game is, and it's so fun. Um, so I can't wait. Hell yeah, play ball. Yeah, and I I think that's a great way to end it. I I mean I was watching some videos today, and just seeing the guys on the field just swinging the bat I'm so and seeing excited. Bieber throwing pitches. I mean, what what an you know, and I've been a, a Cleveland fan for too long to get too excited, but. Um, after last season, it's certainly looking like a fun season. Yeah, I'll just say real quick, um, a, a, a true uh, joy to, uh, to uh, interact with on Guardians Twitter uh, over the years, A.J. Smith. And, uh, 
You know, uh, he made it clear um, that you know, he was battling cancer, and uh, you know, but still, he was he was very uh, as engaged as any other fan with this team, especially. And uh, it's heartbreaking. I, you know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. But uh, we're thinking of his family, and um, yeah, uh, you know, we'll just, let's let's, let's uh, dedicate this season to, to him and, and so many other uh, great fans we lost. John Adams, of course, another one too. So, uh, but now he was he was a, he was a great. Great guy to follow. Um, Mike can engage, interact with him too, and um, he, was, he was one of us, and he'll always be one of us. So, rest in peace. Yeah, and I think just a, a side note: you mentioned John Adams too. I the the great thing about this game, and maybe the hardest thing about this game, and you know, I just kind of following along, you know, his his tweets, you know, over the past few months, and um, you know, I can't tell you how many memories I have watching baseball games with, you know, important people in my life. And, you know, over the past 10 to 15 years, you know, meeting a bunch of great people here on Twitter and, you know, watching these games. I think the the great thing about the story of baseball, I think the reason why I like it so much, the reason why I like writing about it so much and talking about it so much is the stories that it creates and the friendships that it creates and, and the depth of, of just feeling that it creates way more so than any of the other sports. Cause we're talking about a 162 game season. I think, um, as this season goes on and future seasons and, you know, should, should the guardians be lucky enough to eventually win a world series? I think, um, you know, the people that we lose along the way are the first people that we think of. So, um, yeah, our hearts go out to, to, to AJ, to the family, um, and, and to everybody who was touched by him. So I guess I'll leave it there. All right. Uh, great podcast oh, guys. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that um, I really want this to be a regular thing, so hopefully this isn't the first of many or the big one for the year. <laughs> 2023 in the books, yeah. And, hey, Gage, 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 the whole podcast worked and you weren't here, so it's clearly your fault. Yeah, <laughs> All right, on that note, we're out of here. Peace. Have a good night, everybody.